Welcome to part seven of our series going through the life of Abraham. Today's a little bit different because we're actually not going to talk about Abraham today. Uh, We're giving Abraham a one-week break because we've been picking on him for a while, and uh, we're going to really pick on him next week, uh, so make sure you come back next week. Um, But we're going to give Abraham a one-week break. We're actually going to focus on Abraham's nephew named Lot as we uh, go through Genesis chapter 19. Um, Now, one thing to get up front with you is uh, the name of this message is Undertow. Undertows happen in the ocean, and my primary audience right now is people who live in Minnesota. So, my first question for you is, raise your hand if you've ever experienced an undertow. I assume probably not, maybe a few of you. Um, Raise your hand if you've been to the ocean. Okay, almost all of us have. Great, great. Okay. So, Undertow, there's, a, there's this scientific reasoning for it, and I'm going to explain it just because I found it interesting as I, as I studied for this message. Basically, an undertow is, is when the wave goes up the beach, and then what does the wave have to do? It has to come back down. Um, so when the water comes back down, there's another wave that goes over it, and so it creates this undertow, undertow. And if the wave is big enough and you're standing in it, you can really feel it where it pulls back on your feet. In fact, I think that's why they call it under toe, right? Because it pulls on your toes. <laughs> it's a different spelling. It's T-O-W. Okay, so we got that figured out. So it's, it's this undertow. Now, if the wave is big enough, it can be pretty, pretty intense, and undertows by themselves can be pretty nasty. Now, here's the ugly nephew of the undertow. This is called a rip current, and a rip current is quite similar, but there's one big difference. You see, when the wave goes up, it's not that the wave just comes back down the same way, but with a rip current, there's this sandbar or this, this natural way that the wave has to narrowly come back into the ocean. So while all the water goes up, it funnels down into this little area as it goes back out. Now, from this aerial view, you can see this is a rip current very easily. And for me, just seeing this picture was like, oh, that's what it is. But when you're standing on the beach and you're looking out, unless you're really trained to look for it, you can't see a thing. And if you're stuck here in this rip current where the undertow is taking you out, you're in a lot of trouble. And some of you are like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been there. Or I know someone who's been there. It can be pretty dangerous. So what I'm going to do is, at the end of the message, I'm going to tell you how to survive one of these things. So you have to stay tuned in just like to save your life. Um, so we're going to talk about how to get out of one towards the end. But here's the big idea for right now. Undertoes, you have to be able to watch out for them, and you have to know how to navigate them in order to survive them. Now, there are undertoes in life. There are things where the surface just seems so calm, so regular, but if you get into the wrong place, it can pull you under. And it can have an impact on your relationships, or it can have an impact on your life. It can even have an impact on your eternity. There are certain undertoes where unless you're prepared, unless you can spot them, they can do damage to you. And that's what this week is all about. Jesus said, you're in this world, you're not of this world, but I'm sending you into this world. Father, please protect them. We're going to talk about the ways, the the hidden traps that this world can have when it comes to our life and our faith. Now, to do that, we're going to go into Genesis 19, where Abraham gets a week off. We're going to focus on Abraham's nephew, Lot. And if you were here last week, this happens right afterwards, 
Um, God had come to Abraham and said, Abraham, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to destroy that city down there. And what we see in, in what happens next shows us there are certain undertoes in life that we need to watch out for. Um, if you're taking notes, here's fill in number one. It's simply this. Undertoes take you further than you intended to go. So we need to know how to avoid them, and we know, need to know how to get out of them. Now, here's something I told the other two services. They kind of gave me this weird look. Um, a lot of times Ben says, okay, take, take some notes because it'll help you remember things. But I know the truth. Like, if you look around and you see somebody not taking notes, it's because they hate God. It's just the truth. I mean, <laughs> if they love God, they'd be taking notes. And the really godly people, they write in the margins. Like, they, they, they take extra notes. They say, fillings aren't enough for me. I'm writing more. <laughs> All right, we're going to dive into Genesis chapter 19. This... I'm gonna, okay, so here's a disclaimer coming into this. We're going to skip a lot of sections here, primarily for time, but partially for content. What happens in Genesis 19, a lot of it I wouldn't share with my third grade daughter, and so I'm not going to share with your third grade daughter either. I invite you at home sometime this week, read through Genesis 19. You can fill in the gaps of what we don't cover here today. Um, I'm, I'm going to summarize verses 1 through 11 for you. God sent two angels into the city of Sodom to see how bad it was, and they said, it's bad. Um, within a matter of hours, young people and old people in this city did some pretty horrible things. And so I'm just going to summarize those verses. Sodom was wicked, Sodom was evil, and God confirmed his need to destroy it. And, and if you have questions about that, uh, check our message from last week. We talked about this interaction that God had with Abraham about destruction and why and all that stuff. Uh, but for now, we're going to jump into verse 12 because we're going to see that even though God is going to destroy this city, he in his mercy is going to rescue Lot and his family. So the two men, these are the two angels that were with God, the two men who were in Sodom, they said to Lot, the nephew of Abraham, Hey, do you have anyone else here? Like sons-in-law, sons or daughters, relatives, anyone else in this city who belongs to you, who is important to you, who is under your sphere of influence, Lot. Anyone at all. You need to get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. And so there's some urgency behind this. By the way, this is taking place kind of in the evening towards uh, the beginning of nighttime. And these angels are saying to Lot, you need to get them and get them out of here as soon as you can. And so Lot has to do this quick mental inventory, like, okay, who's in this city? Who do I have influence over? And he came up with two people. So Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to be married to his daughters. He goes to his sons in law. He says, Hurry, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. Now, here's where we're going to see an undertow. But his sons in law thought he was joking. They said, Oh, that's, that's silly, father in law. That's silly, Lot. That's a good joke. We're not going to fall for this one, though. We remember that one time you did that one thing? Yeah, you got us then. Uh, but this time we're not going to fall for it. So they thought that their father in law was joking. So they didn't take him seriously. Which brings up an undertow that applies to you and to me also. 
You see, they were in a place where they didn't even consider destruction an option. They thought everything was fine. It wasn't even on their radar that God would destroy their city. It kind of reminds me of Pearl Harbor when the radar operators started seeing this glitch coming towards them, and they said, oh, it must be some transport that didn't, you know, they they weren't scheduled, whatever. They just sort of wrote it off. They didn't even think that something bad could happen. Well, his sons-in-law soon found out that he wasn't joking. But unfortunately, this is the last we hear of him. They just think he's joking. They write it off, and they don't take him seriously. So that's an undertow that we need to be aware of. It's not taking serious matters seriously. And this happens when someone comes up to you and they say, well, I'm really concerned about you, or maybe we need to talk about this, or we need to adjust your life course. And you say to them, "Eh, I got this. It's no big deal. I don't need to take this seriously. And when we completely write off serious matters, that's a warning that an undertow is very much able to take you under. So that's the first beware. Beware of not taking serious matters seriously. We're going to, by the way, I'm going to summarize these at the end, and then we're going to kind of see how God fixes them. Uh, For now, we're going to see another dangerous undertow, and it happens with Abraham. I'm sorry, I'm going to say Abraham a lot. If I say Abraham, just translate that for Lot. So we're going to see another undertow with Lot's wife. So it it starts out with this. With the coming of dawn, so they had waited all night. Apparently, Lot and his family are just sort of relaxing at home and saying, okay, we'll leave eventually, and, and there's like no urgency. The angels urged Lot, saying, come on, come on, what did we tell you last night? Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters, get out of here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Now the next phrase is interesting, I think. Verse 16, when Lot hesitated, what what does that mean? It means Lot was sitting there and he's like, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but maybe we should think about this. And the angels are like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Didn't we tell you this place is going to be destroyed? Yet there was this part of Lot that was attached to where he lived. And we're going to see that's even more true of his wife. So when Lot hesitated, the men, so two angels, and how many, how many hands did the two angels have all together? Four. We'll just assume four. Okay. So the men grasped his, unless they're cool angels, sometimes angels had like six arms in the Bible, these are normal angels. These are just the standard uh, anyway. So these, these men grabbed Lot's hand, okay, one. They grabbed onto the hands of his wife, it's two, and the hands of his two daughters, three, four. So you, see, you picture these two angels, they're grabbing as many people as they can, which is four, and they're pulling them out of the city. They led, led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. Here's a quick, quick, quick application for you. Sometimes when God sees you're in a place that you shouldn't be, he has to take you out by force. And you go kicking and screaming and saying, God, why are you doing this to me? I want to stay there. The reason God does that is because he's being merciful. Because sometimes we get into places we shouldn't be. So these two angels, with all the hands they have, they grab as many people as they can, and they lead them out of the city. And and one day, one day, God would use two hands to do that for the world. 
So now these four hands pull these four people out of the city. As soon as they brought them out, one of them, one of these angels said, okay, you're out of the, the, the city district. Now you need to flee for your lives. Notice these next three words. Don't look back. We're going to talk about that in a second. Don't stop, but rather flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Don't look back. That, that the Hebrew word can simply mean, it can mean to glance, like you're, you're looking back, you're looking someplace. But it can also mean to look at something longingly, like you, you're eyeing up something and you're like, ooh, I like that, I want that. Um, that and it kind of attracts you. There's this attractional uh, part to it. Um, when they translated this into Greek before Jesus was even born, um, the word that they used was even enforced that even more, where, yeah, it can, it can mean just to look, but it's more than that. It's, it's actually this, this gravitation towards. And so I feel comfortable translating that word, look back. I feel, I feel comfortable saying it wasn't just a glancing back, but it was actually a moving back, a moving back. So what the angel is saying is, hey, we got you this far. Don't go backwards. Don't stay still. Move forward. Don't go back. Don't stay still. Move forward. And the reason why I, I really emphasize this is because of what's going to happen in just a minute. So we're going to skip a few verses here and uh, go on to verse 24. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah, and this came from the Lord out of the heavens. <clears throat> a lot of people try to look at this and say, okay, well, how did God actually do this? Was it a volcano? Um, did they have some sort of mining operation where there were gases and then an earthquake hit and kablooey and, you know, poof, went up in the air and poof, came back down. There's all sorts of different explanations. I'm not going to get into that because I'm just going to hold on to what the history says. That burning sulfur came down and destroyed the city and destroyed the whole area. In fact, here's a summary verse. Thus, he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying even the vegetation in the land. This was a complete devastation over a large, large area. And it almost seems like this next verse, verse 26, was kind of just tacked in there as this reminder, as this warning. And it's really weird, it's really awkward, but here at Bethlehem, we don't skip awkward verses, we just dive right into them. Here's what verse 26 says, But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. I remember this in Sunday school. Did you, did, if you grew up in school, did you, do you remember this from Sunday school? And, and you didn't understand it. You didn't get it. You were just like, that's kind of interesting. Okay. So she looked backwards, and for some reason, she turned, poof, turned into a pillar of salt. That's kind of cool. Um, so how do we apply that? God will turn you into a pillar of salt if you know. Here's how I view this. Here's kind of as I, as I remain faithful to the text and also what Jesus says, we'll look at that in just a second. Like I said, it's not just that she glanced back and all of a sudden, poof, God turned her into a pillar of salt. It's that there was something in Sodom that was pulling her back. There was something there that she couldn't stand to lose. And so she said, Lot, you go ahead. I'll be right back. I got to get something. I got to get my wallet. Got to get my purse. Got to get my keys. I don't know what it was, but she said, I need to go back. And her eyes and her heart drew her back to Sodom. And the result was the destruction that fell on Sodom fell on Lot's wife too. 
Um, in Moses' day, when Moses recorded this historical account, um, they would have been able to see these salt formations around the Dead Sea area, which, which, happened, which seems to be the area where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be. And so perhaps this was just an added little thing that, that Moses threw in there to remind the people she went back and the destruction that fell on Sodom fell on her too. So what's the takeaway I get from this? I don't know what it was, but Lot's wife was drawn to something. There was some thing that was her everything, and she couldn't stand to live without it. Fill in number three if you love God. I'm sorry. Yeah, fill in number three if you love God. Beware of making something your everything, where you're so consumed by it that you can't stand to live without it. Um, we skipped one. Let me go back real quick. This is what Jesus adds to the argument as far as what happened with, with Lot's wife. This is, we're quoting Jesus here in Luke chapter 17. Jesus said, it'll be just like this on the day of the Son of Man, on the day that he is revealed. On that day, no one, this is important, no one who's in the house when Jesus comes back, no one with possessions inside should go down to get them. Like, oh my goodness, Jesus is here. Let me go grab my wallet. Jesus is like, no, what's ahead of you is so much more important. Nobody's going to do that. In the same way, someone who's in the field should not go back for every, anything. And then he says, Remember Lot's wife. There was something that was her everything, and she went back. And therefore, the destruction that went on Sodom also went on her. Now, we'll, we'll go too forward. I'm putting a, a little exercise on our computer operator today. So um, after the next fill-in, there's this question here, and it's basically this. I don't know what I would do if I were to lose. Fill in the blank. What would you put in that blank? I don't know what I would do if I were to lose my retirement money. I don't know what I would do if I were to lose a person. I don't know what I would do if I were to lose my puppy. Um, we could put all sorts of things in that blank, things that just our lives revolve around. And by the way, I've seen very unhealthy human relationships being put in this blank um, where people would say, I don't know what I would do if I lost this person. Like their entire life revolves around this person. And I'm not saying it's bad to mourn the loss of somebody, but it's a fair question to ask, isn't it? This could be a potential undertow for anyone. <laughs> And it's worth discussing at least. In fact, if you're in a growth group and you're meeting this week, this is going to be one of the questions that you work through. If I were to lose blank, I don't know what I would do. Let's talk about that. Is it a healthy relationship you have with this thing? And how, this is important, how can you condition yourself today in case you lose this tomorrow? This is a huge undertow, this attachment to worldly things. And this is one thing that we take away from from Lot's wife as they fled Sodom and Gomorrah. Now we're going to see one last thing here, um, one last undertow to be aware of, and this one I really had to edit due to content and even due to time. So if you want to see the whole account, I invite you, I encourage you, read Genesis 19 this week. So Lot and his two daughters, it's just down to them. They've already lost his wife. They've already lost um, his two sons-in-law. So the three of them left Zoar and they settled in the mountains for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. Here's the important part. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. Uh, he and his two daughters were isolated. He and his two daughters were cut off 
from the world. He and his two daughters could have gone to Abraham and said, hey, can we live with you for a while till we're back up on our feet again? They could have gone there, but instead they go and run into this cave where they're alone, where they're isolated, and nothing good ever happens in the Bible when someone goes into isolation. So here's how it unfolds in a heavily edited version. One day, the older daughter said to the younger one, Hey, our father is old, and there is no man around here to give us children, as is the custom all over the earth. Now, women, you're going to love this. What they were saying is, it's our job to have babies. Everyone has babies. We're women, and so we, just, we need to have babies. And so it's just us in this cave. It's just our old dad, and I doubt that we're ever going to leave this cave. And he's probably so old, he can't even arrange a marriage. Like, it would take so long to get connected to a new community of people and meet people and arrange a marriage. It's just not going to happen. Everyone all over the earth knows that women, a woman's job is to have babies. That's what she does. I feel like I need to push this a little more because you're not laughing. (laughs) Okay, we can leave it. This is just what women do. And so they said, well, hey, we've got an idea. This is what we'll do. Next verse. Let's get our father to drink wine and preserve our family line through him. Dot, 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 dot. Skipping a lot of sections. We don't need to talk about all of it. So the the conclusion is both of Lot's daughters became pregnant. Read the whole version at home. You'll love it. What is this? What's the undertow? Okay, and uh, maybe this is where the phrase comes from, that you can take a person out of Sodom, but you can't take the Sodom out of a person. Um, And and it kind of illustrates the power that society, that influence can have over us. Or the influence of conformity. Everyone is doing this. This is the custom over all the earth. You're just supposed to have babies. This is our identity. This is who we are. And we can't have babies, so we'll find a way. And so they had two sons. And, and I think the only reason it's even mentioned here is because these two sons became basically two nations, the Ammonites and the Moabites. And as you continue to read the Old Testament history, those two nations were so much fighting against the descendants of Abraham. This is the start of something horrible. And it started because they wanted to conform to what the world wants from them. So here's our fourth uh, and final undertow beware of following where everyone else is going Uh, beware of the standards that you hold yourself to if if it's just conformity to this world to the patterns that you see around you it will not end well god has such a better way for us but finally this is where a lot of us get stuck this is all that we know how to do. We, all we do is just follow the, the pattern, the way things are going, and we just follow. But here's the thing. When you follow someone into an undertow, it doesn't work well for either of you. And if you're both caught in this narrow channel and you're both being pushed out to sea and then there's a lot of people following you, it's senseless and it leads to death. So here's the part of the message where I give you your practical tip for the week. This is how to survive an undertow how to survive a current that's taking you out. So three things. Here we go. First one, reach out for help. 
If you're caught in an undertow, if you're caught in this ripped current and you're being pulled out, first thing is get someone's attention. I need help. You make some noise, you wave your arms, you get attention. Um, Then this is the hardest thing to do, but you need to relax. The more you work against the current, the more you're going to get tired out and the more likely you will drown. Unless your last name is Phelps, you will probably drown. And then the third thing is you have to wait for rescue. You have to wait for rescue. Um, once, once the current has done its job of pulling you out, to whatever, wherever it pulls you out, you just need to relax and, and wait for someone to rescue you. And here's the thing. If you're alone, your chances of surviving are much, 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 much less. So here's your tip of the week. Don't go swimming alone in the ocean and follow these tips. Amen. What I want to do next is apply this to your situation. See, when you get caught in an undertow because you're not taking serious matters seriously, if you're alone, there's going to be no one to reach out to. If you're going along in life and and you realize that you're so consumed by this thing and it's your everything, you're not going to be able to relax unless you have that thing. If, If you keep going... If you keep going and you're just going along with the patterns of this world, there's no need, no way for someone to rescue. So let's take those three things, taking serious things seriously. Um, Here's kind of a summary statement for that. So this is fill in number uh, two in different words. You need to know what's coming. You need to know what's on your radar. You need people to come into your life and say, hey, you need to watch out for this. Because a lot of times in my life, I can only see so much. (laughs) You probably know this too. But when I look at someone else's life, I'm like, why don't they see that? Don't they know where this is going? And it's so easy to see in someone else. Well, that's what I need. Someone to help me see what's coming. Now let me bring Jesus into this. When Jesus came to this world, nobody saw it coming. Nobody even knew that God could become flesh. And all of a sudden, here he was, yet nobody recognized him. It's a good thing he didn't come to be recognized. He didn't come for recognition. He came for salvation, and that was his purpose. Uh, here's the, the next thing. Um, when something is your everything, the positive side of that is you've got to keep your course. Don't let something sidetrack you away from what's important. And again, we need people in our lives to speak into that, to say, why are you so consumed by this? Just let it go. Let it go. And when Jesus came, it would have been so easy for him to say, you know what, this is getting a little too tough, a little too hard. I'm just going to go back in the heavenly glory where everything is perfect and never any harm, never any suffering. But instead, he stayed the course. What I love from Philippians, it says, he endured the cross, scorning or making small the shame of it because he knew this was the path to you. Um, And then the, the last one here, you know, this conformity, following the patterns of this world, See, I'm keeping the K's in here just to help you remember it. Never compromise. It's a silent K. Never compromise. Never compromise. And we see this in Jesus so much too, don't we? That he didn't just follow along with what the crowds wanted. Sure, I'll give you bread for a lifetime. I'll be your bread king. I'll be popular. Uh, But instead he said, no, I need to stay the course. 
I need to follow the will and the plan of my Father in heaven. And the result of all of that was he became the one who rescued you. This undertow of sin and death was in this constant spiral, keeping you locked, keeping you chained, and Jesus came in to rescue you. He set you free from that forever. And now in your life, he says, child, there's going to be other undertows that try to get you mixed up. There's going to be other things that compete for your heart and other ideas and other conformities, all these things. And so there's going to be one application to close out this message. See, there's lots of voices out there telling you, you got to know what's coming. You need to know what's coming. If, if Hillary's elected, you better know what's coming. If Trump is elected, you know, all these people warning you of what's coming. There's so many different voices. How do you tell which one is which? Different people telling you, well, you need to hold this course. You need to hold that course. This is the right path for you. Well, how do you determine which voice. People who say, never compromise. Never (laughs) compromise. Um, And they try to pull you into a conformity, either this side or that side, or maybe even you could argue, even church tries to make me conform to a certain standard. And and you need people to, to speak into that. But again, so many different voices. Here's the final thought for you. It's something for you to think about this week. Fill in number five. It's your choice who gets a voice. You get to decide who is empowered to speak into your life. And what I know about me, what I know about you, is that we need the right people to speak. We need the right people on the outside of us to look in and say, you're headed in a bad way, in a bad direction. I see this on your radar, and we need to talk about this. We need people on the outside to speak into us, to speak into us, because that's the way the church works. When God launched the church in the New Testament, he said, I want you to go and carry each other's burdens. I want you to love one another. I want you to be there. Don't give up meeting. Don't give up one another. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Because he understood that when it comes to the undertoes, you're most vulnerable when you're most alone. So we're out of time. Here's my commercial for the week. Next Sunday, we'll be opening up registrations for our fall semester of growth groups. (laughs) So here's my encouragement for you. Analyze your life this week and ask the serious question, who have I let in? Who has a voice in my life? What's the group of Christian friends who have access to me and who have permission to to enter my life and ask me what's on my radar, ask me these tough questions? And as you do that, if if you're not in a growth group, I really encourage you just at least ask about it. At least say, yeah, I'll, I'll take some information because this is one way, the big way that God enters your story through one another. Now, you need to come back next week because next week, Abraham's going to mess up big time. We're going to rip into him. We gave him a week off, so he's well-rested. But we're going to rip into him because he messed up again. He's doing the same thing again, and, and he's going to mess up. But the good news is that God always forgives. So make sure you come back next week. Let's close with the prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we're not of this world and yet we are in it. And you send us into it as your church to make an impact and a positive influence all around us. 
Uh, there are many dangers in this world. Uh, while we, we celebrate the opportunities to, to be a light, um, the darkness uh, can trip us up. And if we're alone, the darkness can get the better of us. So my prayer for everyone in here who's listening to this message, uh, my prayer is simply twofold. That number one, you'd give us the wisdom to spot these undertoes before we get into them. And then the second thing is simply this. Don't let us enter them alone. Surround us with good voices, with good people, Christian friends who can speak into our lives either to, to avoid the undertow or to help us out of it when we enter. Um, every day, remind us of your faithfulness to be there, to never let us go, even in times of trouble. Uh, that's my prayer this week in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue.